Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, welcome everybody to the first ever episode of Memory Lane, our new Pittsburgh sports podcast where we talk to former Pittsburgh athletes about their time in the Steel City and what they've been up to since. And joining us today on our first episode, for our first episode, I wanted to think of somebody uh, that would start us off with a bang. Um, I was thinking of guys I watched during my childhood and as someone who grew up watching the Steelers, Pirates, and Penguins in the, in the 2000s. Um, and because I'm on the Pirates beat, I wanted to find a Pirate, and I couldn't think of a better representative representative for the Pirates in the 2000s era than Mr. Jack Wilson, who joins the show. Jack, welcome aboard. First episode. Glad to have you on here. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Noah. Thanks, man. I'm excited. I'm yeah. excited for this. So my first question for you, do you kind of view yourself as like the 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 face of the Pirates in the first decade of the 2000s? I mean, I mean, that was a decade where there was a lot of coming and going, but you yeah. were a constant for young fans like me who, I mean, we could all buy your jersey and know, well, at least the number two is going to be there. You know, <laughs> right. he's, he's going to be at shortstop. And uh, do you kind of view yourself as that? Or has anyone ever kind of referred to you as that or anything? I think it was just kind of came with the territory simply because I was there for you know nine years and at the time we had so much turnover and and young guys and so we didn't have a lot of free agents coming in and stuff like that so we were always relatively young and didn't spend a lot of money so I was relatively cheap I think because you know mostly on the defensive side so I was able to uh I was able to be there a long time and I enjoyed it and and you know it's I had some great teammates along the way. Were you shocked that you lasted nine years in Pittsburgh? With the um no I I I kind of took I kind of took the lead on that with my agent because I wanted to be there so anytime things came up um after arbitration and stuff like that we always did deals before free agency hit so we were always in negotiations to stay there because I felt it was a perfect spot for me I, it's the only you know I came from the St Louis Cardinals organization um but you know really everything happened to me in Pittsburgh and I my my family enjoyed it we considered it home. Uh, my kids loved growing up there. I was, it was a very safe uh, spot for me to leave and leave my family behind on road trips and stuff. So it was always something that I, I pushed my agent to cons- consistently approach them when things were coming up simply because that was where I wanted to be. Okay. Um, what was it like during your time there to see? I mean, you had some pretty good teammates. Yeah. Uh, what was it like to see the, the turnover, though? I mean, you see a whole bunch of good guys get developed and they go away. Right. How frustrating was that? It, it was, but, you know, you, you understand it's a business. And we weren't in, you know, at the time, we weren't really big spenders. So when guys got too good and they got too expensive and, you know, they kind of moved on from them. So in, in a sense, being kind of average <laughs> was the reason why I was able to stick around so much. Uh, but, you know, seeing Jason go, uh, when Jason Bay was kind of that middle of the or three-hole hitter for us, uh, seeing him go, obviously Giles went early. And then Kendall, you know, you kind of started breaking off to the younger part of the, of, of the, the early 2000s when we went really young and we started getting the Zach Dukes and the Ryan Domitz and the Gorzolanis and the, and the Sean Burnett's and, and going to the young side. So, um, but a lot of great people. I mean, I, I loved going to work with those guys every day because, you know, talent wise, we probably didn't match up with a lot of the other teams and kind of the records show that, but we, we always played the you know, Pittsburgh style baseball which was always hard nosed and if you didn't you were gone so you know it was it was pretty easy for those young guys to come up being like hey this is how we do things we're gonna we're gonna give it everything we got so I enjoyed every minute of it was there ever a time in your nine years there where you looked around in spring training and thought you know this club could actually compete yeah was there ever a year yeah it was the year I think we had um I think our outfield was maybe McLeod Nady Bay, we had the roaches on the corner. It was Freddy, at 07, 07 yeah, maybe? Ronnie Paulino behind the dish. Yep. Um, 
I think at one point we were second in the major leagues in runs scored per game. We were rolling like six or seven runs a game. Mm -hmm. Offense was clicking. Uh, defense was always good. So you would, you would hope that that would stick around. But that exact year when everybody was kind of going off in our lineup from one through eight, one through nine was really, really good. Uh, so, but I think that's the year that, that Nady went to the Yankees. I think Jason ended up going over to the Red Sox. Uh, I think, in, I think Nigel Morgan ended up, ended up leaving that year as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I think Nate McLeod left a year later though, when he went to Atlanta, I'm not sure. Yeah. That was McCutcheon's rookie years when yes, yeah. that all went so down. That was 2009. McCutcheon uh -huh. came up. So, yeah. um, you know, those, you know, those were, and there were guys like McCutcheon that we felt like, you know, because of the, the rules of the baseball and worried about time clock and stuff, that that guy could have been there a couple of years earlier. I um, mean, he would always come to spring training and just ball out. We're like, dude, this guy, yeah. I don't care how young he is, the guy can play. Mm -hmm. You know, he ended up being the McCutcheon that we know and we remember. Um, and he's still doing his thing. But I think early on, we were like, we were really excited about possibly having him earlier than that, which would have bolstered our team a little bit more too. Were there any other prospects like that during that time where you kind of were just, why isn't this guy up already? Yeah, Neil. I felt mm -hmm. Neil Walker was kind of like, because he got drafted by, I think it was the Dave Littlefield draft. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, we changed DMs a couple different times after that, I think. Yeah. And then, you know, he was a catcher, then he was an infielder, then he was a left fielder, and then he was back in the infield again. Mm -hmm. And then he became a mainstay at second base for Pittsburgh. And he was, you know, in those couple of years, I had some hamstring problems, so I would, or a calf problem, I think. And I went down to rehab and would watch those guys play and be like, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty darn good. So, I kind of knew in those in, in 2000, I actually told my wife, I said, within the next two or three years, if these guys come up and do their thing, they're going to be in the playoffs. Like they're, they're a solid team and they started spending money in the draft. So that was exciting to see. Unfortunately, I wasn't there. I was gone mm -hmm. already, but yeah. I think I started to see it really with, with Pedro. When we, when we drafted Pedro Alvarez, that was our first kind of big meal ticket. Yeah. Best player available situation that, you know, as players we were kind of hoping for, um, you know, we always uh, we always went for I guess the we didn't spend the big bucks on the, the the best available player for a while, and then when we started to get like guys like Pedro, and then they turned around and got I think it was Sanchez from Boston College, but then it was Garrett Cole, yeah. you know, and, and that's when everything started. Tyone, yeah, all those yeah. guys. Yeah, when they started turn around when they started putting that money in that draft. Yeah. So when I think of Jack Wilson, uh, I think of a couple moments throughout your career. I want to bring uh, I want to ask you about a couple of them right now. First one, you uh, started in the first game at PNC Park. What was that yeah. like? Uh, first off, before even the game, what was – tell me about the first time you saw PNC Park, like when you got to go on the field and see the skyline and everything. What was that like? Yeah, because uh, we actually played two exhibition games against the Mets before that season started. Uh, so, we, so we came from Bradenton, Florida. We came from spring training, and then we played two games there. So the first night we flew in, they actually flipped on the lights so all the players could see it for the first time. You know, so that was, that was really cool. And I think it's a lot cooler for the kind of the veteran guys that had played at Three Rivers mm -hmm. simply because it was such an upgrade to them. Yeah. You know, going from a football slash baseball stadium with turf and to this, you know, gorgeous new facility with the skyline and stuff like that. But, you know, for me, I hadn't even been on a big league field yet at all. So that mm -hmm. was my first taste. So I got super lucky and then uh, played the two games against New York, which was awesome because I kind of got your feet wet in a big league stadium, that type of atmosphere, because up to then it was just spring training games where there's a lot less people. So I just remember stepping on that field and, and just really just looking at the infield dirt and be like, oh, man, I love fielding on this stuff because mm -hmm. some of those minor league fields are pretty rough. So yeah. I was like, man, I just got to put my glove down. It's just going to roll in. Yeah. So it was, it, was, it was a really cool feeling. It was really cool to, to see all the excitement and, and stuff on a, of a new ballpark. Were there fans in those Mets scrimmages? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had fans at the at the exhibition games. They were packed. I mean, they really wanted to see the place, and we mm -hmm. were opening up in Cincinnati that year. So mm -hmm. you still had to wait another, you know, six to seven days or eight days, whatever yeah. it was, before before we opened up PNC officially with with a regular season game. And then how how cool was that for your first MLB home opener to be the start of a new stadium? You know, just yeah. to be a part of the, how, how all that kind of played out. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think it's cool because, I mean, pretty much every home opener is, is packed. But it's, mm -hmm. it's different when everybody's kind of just looking around and, and checking out the new digs. I mean, I think that's, that's you know, from the time you release the, the renderings of what the stadium's going to look like to watching it being built across the way when, three, when you're still playing at Three Rivers. And then I think those fans are super excited to, you know, for the Steelers to have their own place 
the mm -hmm. Pirates have their own place and they can kind of have two different stadiums rather than sharing that one. And I think that's, that's part of the, you know, coming in as a fan. And not only is it opening day and you're excited, you know, for a Pirates season, but also you get to check out this whole, this whole new place and, and, and see some new players. We had a couple of rookies that year. Um, and, you know, I think that the whole ambiance of that was really special to be a part of. Yeah. Um, speaking of things that I'm sure you're proud to be a part of, uh, my next thing I want to talk about is the 2004 All-Star Game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was 2003 is when I really got into baseball. Okay. So I got, I got, became a Pirates fan. Then all of a sudden they traded away Brian Giles and Jason Kendall, like immediately <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, but Oh four, you had probably the best year of your career. You were mm -hmm. an all-star silver slugger. Uh, so I was looking at that 2004 all-star team roster and the guys yeah. that you played with in yeah, that lineup. Right? I mean, I, I'm looking at the name here, Bonds, Griffey, Sosa. That was the outfield. Right. Um, Roger Clemens started the game. Randy Johnson and Tom Glavin were other starters that made the team. Mike Piazza, Albert Pujols, Jim <laughs> Tomey, Barry Larkin. That was the other shortstop on the yep. bench with you. Miguel yep. Cabrera as a rookie, yep. his like first full year in the bigs. And uh, Carlos Beltran. I mean, what yep. was it like your first all-star <laughs> game to be with like, I mean, that is, if you were making like an all-time lineup, a right. lot of those names would probably just be on Absolutely. the lineup. No, I mean, it was I felt like a fish out of water, like big time. Like, cause my, my, you know, I was number two. So the next guy next to me was number five, which was Albert. And I actually spent a little bit of time with Albert in the minor leagues when we were in St. Louis together. So that was kind of cool, but just the, the whole, the whole all-star thing, but that, I mean, on the American, you know, you look at the American League roster and it's, and yeah. you're throwing out the same type of names. Oh, yeah. it's Mariano. That was fun. You know? So I think it was, it was surreal. It really was. I mean, I, I had a really, really good first half and kind of rode the wave of a really hot start in the beginning. And, and um, just being in that locker room, walking in, I just wanted to get autographs, to be honest with you, because I'm <laughs> yeah. like, man, who knows? And, you know, I never got the chance to do it again. And, and, you know, but it was just trying to soak everything in and just say hi to these guys and have conversations with them that I, I wasn't previously able to have. I mean, I talked to the guys on the field and stuff and when they hit doubles and they get to second and you're like, Hey, Going yeah. on. Nice job. Yeah. Which you is kind of often. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah they're all good. They're yeah. all really good. Yeah. So it was it was really cool, was, you know, to 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 take that in and, and be a part of that and, and be in that clubhouse and just look around and kind of take it all in. Who who'd you hang out with that weekend as far as players? Oh, Barry. Go? Barry. Barry, Barry kind of took me under his wings. It was his last year. It was his kind of you know, last raw Jack McKean was our, our manager. And actually Barry went up that went up to Jack McKean and he's and he said I just want to pinch it. I was like, and he, and he literally said, this is Wilson's first all-star game and I want him to get the innings. And I was like, dude, that, I mean, that's Barry Larkin for you. He's, he's the best, you know, because he's like, oh, uh, you know, I know that, you know, everyone knows I'm retiring and he was having a good year. He was in 293 or something like mm -hmm. that. So he was, he was doing his thing and he deserved to be on the all-star team, whether he was retiring or not. Yeah. Uh, on top of being just an all-time legend, mm -hmm. you know, Cincinnati red, you know, from his whole career. Um, so, we, I spent a lot of time with him, really, and just talking and picking his brain. We played each other so much in the Central that it was, mm -hmm. it was kind of like, you know, finally getting to sit down and eat with him and, and talk baseball, and, and he was just – he was awesome. Who won the Home Run Derby that year? Do you remember? I remember it being very eventful. I think Garrett Anderson – was it Anderson versus Berkman? Is that right? Uh, possibly. I actually – I had my son in my arms the whole time, and okay. he got a little feisty at the end, so wow. I think I missed the end. Okay. Because that was a long process, and it was a long day because the first-year guys like me get the, get the like, 5A, 5.30 a.m. ESPN, like, video, like, yeah. interview. <laughs> and then the other guys get, like, 12 or 1. And I yeah. had so – I know it was a long day uh, for me doing all the different stuff they would ask, you know, the, the guys to do, so – I think we bowed out at the end, so we didn't we didn't see uh, the end winner or anything like that. All right, and so and then when I was thinking of those are a couple moments, but one play that sticks out to me. I mean, you made a million in the field, but you posted it on Instagram actually not too long ago, <laughs> and I have a special connection with this play. One of my first memories of PNT Park was a doubleheader against the Brewers, and yeah. in the first game. You hit an inside the park home run. Later on in that game, there was a grand slam. Right. And the second game of that doubleheader, Jason Bay, I think, had eight runs batted in. Right. And that, and that was like when I think That's I was like nice nine day. years old. I was That's like, I, I really like this sport. Yeah. I, you know, I like, I, Pirates are the best team ever. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> Dad, I mean, they are they're got to at least go to the 
you know, NLCS, right? right. And he's After like, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that inside the park home run. I mean, take me through that. I, I didn't realize until you pointed it out on your Instagram, you got like kicked in the face at the end yeah, of that too. I totally. Well, that's my fault. You're not supposed oh. to slide. I mean, back then though, you could still kind of block the plate a little bit. Now the rules have changed a little bit. The Buster Posey rule. Yeah. You know, we got to stay in the inside lane or whatnot, but I remember hitting it and I, and I squared it up good. I was a little bit out in front. And every time I hit a ball like that at PNC, I was pissed that I was at PNC because it was so big in left field. So I was mm-hmm. like, I got to run. And I, and I flushed it. I was like, and as I was running, it was like, oh, day game's traveling a little bit. I might have a chance. And I hit the top of the wall. And your first move was like, oh, sweet. Well, it's not a homer, but at least, yeah. at least I get a double. And then I started, it started rolling away like quick. I'm like, oh, we're going to go ahead and try to try to run this one out and give it a whirl. And then got the, got the wheel in at third base. And, you know, I think mostly I was just falling forward. I didn't really slide head first. I was just kind of falling and then just ate the shin guard. And like, I wanted to get up and be like all happy, but I couldn't feel my face. So I was like, I'm just going to lay here for a second. And then yeah. like, Kendall, I think it was Kendall waiting at home. Like, dude, get up. Like, cause Kendall would be like, nothing phases that dude. That guy yeah. can take you know, anything off the face. I was like, mm. bro. My, my nose hurts. Yeah, I mean, I, I <laughs> oh, remember. Got, got the homer. <laughs> yeah, you like laid there for a second, and yeah. like, it seemed like you were just exhausted. But yeah, it just it makes a lot more sense that you slid right into it. Yeah, I just got, I kind of got just, just because when I slid, mm-hmm. the shin wasn't there. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of slid over at the last second, and that's when I just got a whole face full of plastic shin guards. So that's when I was like, all right, it's gonna take a little bit to let the sting go away. Let's not get up and wobble away. Now you led the league in triples that year, didn't you? Didn't you have like twelve, I think? Yeah, I got yelled at the last game that year because I hit a ball. I had fouled a ball off my shin um, the night before, and the last game was a day game. And I juiced a ball at Cincinnati to left center, and I came up at second because my my leg was my shin was still just crushed from the day before. And then if I'd have gone three, I think I would have made it because Adam Dunn ended up like missing his cutoff man and kind of rolled to the side. And then I would have, I think it, Jimmy Rollins, I think was the guy I was, yeah. tied, and I would have been able to break the tie and obviously didn't know all that was happening at mm-hmm. that time. I would have tried to push it, I guess, but yeah, yeah it was, uh, it was a lot of, there was a lot of, I mean, that, that North side notch and left center field mm-hmm. is a beautiful triple spot. You know, I was thinking about it the other day. Uh, remember when Houston used to have that hill? Oh, the hill yeah. The, yeah. Did you yeah. get any triples from that? Do you remember no, anything? No, no, most of my triples were down each line. Mm-hmm. And then like, well, m- mostly down right field line. If you shot one down the line, that's the best because it's the furthest throw from right. But the north side notch helped a lot. Um, and like places like San Francisco, if you hit a gap or the big gaps in Colorado, I think I had a couple there. Um, you know, the bigger fields that allow that allow those triples, you know, so, but center field, I was never a big power guy center field unless you hit a line drive and they would dive and it go underneath them or something like yeah. that. But not, nothing, I didn't have the pop to go that far yeah. to, to that hill. Um, so we talked about the 04 All-Star team, and I just want to kind of get your opinion on this. And, I'm, I mean, everyone's got their own take on it. But I mentioned the names, you know, Bonds, Sosa, Clemens. Right. Uh, do you, what, are you, what are your thoughts on the people who have been accused of or proven or admitted to using steroids getting in the Hall of Fame? Um, you know, it's tough. I, you know, it's, 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 it's tough because, you know, I see it one way where like a guy like Barry who said he did it, the bottom line is like, I got, I can see the strongest people in the game and, and they can't square up the ball like Barry Bonds could, like his hand-eye coordination was ever, you know? So I think it's just, you know, it's up to, I think the committee has a lot to do with it, the players that are already in not wanting guys with an asterisk or whatever they're, they're going to do. So I just tell people, you know, what I saw, what I played against. I mean, Roger was a competitor. I, I mean, and then you had guys like Andy Pettit who was doing it just to come back from an injury. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of don't have an issue with, I mean, the guy's getting paid a million dollars, you know, billions of not billions, but millions yeah, of dollars yeah. to sit at home because he's injured and he tries to juice up to get back. I'm yeah. like, that's kind of like a good guy way to look at it, you know, and I, and he yeah, was wants to help his team. About it. Exactly. So, um, you know, it's tough because, you know, you're looking at those guys and they are definitely Hall of Fame worthy type players. But is it did that put them over the top to make them that much better? You, we, that's the kind of the question that we'll never know. Like if they never did anything, would they have been that good? Would they have hit that many homers or struck out that many guys? And I think that's kind of the, you know, 
what everybody want, was is wondering whether they should get in or not. Well, like, what did it really have that much of an effect? You know, and stuff like that. So it's, I'm kind of just in a gray area with that because I just respect so much, like their ability and their to the way they played the game and and like did did them doing that actually make them that much better than they already were? And I think that's kind of the question that everybody kind of has to ask themselves because yeah. I for three years I I didn't see Barry swing and miss. <laughs> the guy was yeah. incredible yeah. and he's to this day he's kind of a token perfect balance load swing weight on the ball and you know you can be the strongest person in the world and and, and be a, a good baseball player but he had done that his whole career so yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of a bummer because you wish they didn't and let that let it play out because I still think they probably would have been hall of famers anyways yeah and I, maybe they feel the pressure of having to be so good so often that as their aging went on, they had to take, they, they wanted to keep that edge. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a tough question for everybody, I guess. Yeah. And uh, if you don't want to answer this, this is fine. And you don't have to name any names or anything, but did you know of any steroid use that was going on when you were playing? And not necessarily even with the pirates, just in general, maybe guys that you were playing with or even against that you heard rumblings of it or anything like that. No, I didn't, to be honest with you. I never even heard about it. I think that, everybody was so into that Mitchell report when it came out and everybody was kind of just surprised by some of the names and not surprised by mm -hmm. some of the names. So it's kind of, but nothing really talked about. I think everyone's so focused on what they're trying to do for their own team and help their own team win and obviously continue their career that it's like, if somebody else is doing it, I really don't care. Like if you juice up and you're going to strike me out because you throw harder, I, I'm mad at myself for striking me out, not mm -hmm. because you juiced up. So yeah. I, I have my own responsibilities as a player and what I needed to do to, to be prepared. So I really didn't pay attention to if anybody was doing it. And I really never had to, never thought about it until that Mitchell report came out. You're like, Oh, all right. Well, that's why he hits that many or something. <laughs> that's yeah. why his like, arms were. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So busting me, out of his sleeves. yeah, to me, just the focus was trying to be the best pitch prepared I can be yeah. trying to go out there and, and, you know, make plays for my pitchers, help the guys, you know, do whatever I could at the plate. And, you know, I had a family, you know, that, that wanted me to hopefully succeed and play a long time. Yeah. What's a bigger deal to you, the steroid use or what the Astros just did? Astros. Yeah, definitely. Cause I think, I mean, you know, I just know as a hitter, you know, being a guy who is what, 260 something lifetime career guy, if you're going to tell me what's coming, I guess a pretty good chance I'm going to square it up. And that's me not not Correa or Altuve or Springer like or really really yeah. good hitters and I tell people I tell people say it's not the fastball knowing a fastball is coming that's that's not the part because they're still throwing 96 97 miles an hour it's still hard to hit mm -hmm. but if you tell them an off speed's coming and it's coming at 80 miles an hour 75 miles an hour and they can sit on it those balls are going to get juiced like they're going to get hit hard so it's not so much knowing a fastball is coming, it's knowing the off-speed is coming. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's it's unfortunate. I mean, obviously, um, I think that they're having a really tough year. I think all those guys are, the Astros organization, and kind of falls with it. That's got to be mentally draining on them, the fact that everybody just wants them to stink now and, mm -hmm. and to pay for it, you know what I mean? Because I think pretty much everybody wanted some justice rather than just firing a couple – ex-managers or ex-coaches yeah. that the players were not really held accountable for for what they did because they took the information you know and they and you can definitely see that they used it because i'm sorry i'm not sitting on our dullest chapman slider that he throws like 13 percent of the time yeah when he's throwing 104 in, in the bottom of that. the 10th and yes. the alcs yeah and he threw two in a row which he never does yeah. you know so you know it's it's unfortunate that the game had to do that i think that this game's gone through things like this before and it's it's come out on the other side in a good way and, and anything that happens like this it, it warns anything further from happening so there is a positive in this that you probably never will see this again, um, you know, because it was such a it was such a big deal and it happened in the World Series. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, like I said, it, as a player, I can imagine even the guys that were traded to the Astros or signed with the Astros and they weren't even a part of it mm -hmm. have to deal with it. And that's got to be tough as well. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about it, too, is before all of this happened, like the Astros – I remember like telling people like if you're just becoming a baseball fan, that's the team you want to root for. Oh yeah. Because the way they develop their talent, 
the way they the, the way they made trades. I mean, they acquired like Garrett Cole and Zach Greinke and Justin Verlander without giving up a top prospect. Like they were just doing everything right. And how about taking a chance on a Charlie Morton? Yeah. And have was, him be a dude. Yeah. You know? it, I mean, it was just all – and then it just all fell apart. And it, it's also just kind of like that 2017 World Series was incredible. I yeah. mean, I remember watching some of those games just on the edge of my seat for innings. Absolutely. And, yeah. You know, it was you, a very, you, very fun World Series to watch. I mean, obviously, being out and, you know, being a Californian and, and mm-hmm. hearing all the Dodgers rumblings and stuff like that. And, you know, especially after everything that came out from it, you know, they're all feel cheated or whatnot, but it was a phenomenal, you know, phenomenal world series to watch. And now you just kind of look at it differently. Yep. Uh, but another current MLB thing I wanted to get your opinion on, um, Fernando Tatis, yeah. the shortstop. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on him swinging on a three Oh and, and hitting a grand slam. You got a problem with that or no? I don't. I would have in 1999, 2004, 2009, 2011, but not now. I mean, the bottom line is the balls are insanely juiced. I mean, you're looking at 50 <laughs> to 60 extra feet than any ball. And I've tested them, and that's why I can say that. I know I've hit with the ball they use now, and I hit with the ball that was round, and it's a literally a 50 to 60 foot difference. Hmm. It's amazing. Like, I feel like, like it's, I don't know. You could have been a 20 homer guy. I think I could hit 30. Yeah, 30 <laughs> Almost. There you go. Like, yeah. They're that juiced. And guys are putting balls where balls don't go. Guys are going yeah. opposite field at places that, you know, guys are going opposite field at Petco Park like it's easy. And it's yeah. like Petco Park is not easy. I am sorry. Mm-hmm. So if you talk to players that played in, before this ball era, um, they're kind of like looking at it like, no, well, no wonder everybody's just trying to swing for the fences every time because the balls are they're so live. So the, the reason I say that is because there's a seven-run lead. Um, it's a 3-0 count with bases loaded, and, and he swings and hits a grand slam. But if you're looking at the scores nowadays, you're looking at four teams to 11s, 12 to 9s. It's almost like every game is played in Colorado because that's kind of what scores used to look like in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so he does that and he scores four. Well, the guy's one pitch away from walking guy in anyways. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of, you know, if he went 3-0 in the, in the beginning – he's probably going to throw a ball within the next three pitches and, and walk a guy. And then maybe somebody else drives, hits a double. So, yeah. but for me, it's like these, these, you're, they always said in Colorado, no, no lead is safe because of how easy it was to lift a ball and get it out of the yard. And it was true. Every time we played Colorado, we'd be up like in the eighth or ninth inning and we're up by four and we were nervous. And you're just like, this isn't right. Cause everywhere else you wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the scores and the home runs, the way they're the way they are now, I mean, that other team can be down. Now they're down. 11 or they were down seven at the time that's a that's a half inning maybe a maybe a two inning offensive surge right there and they're right back in the game so I think just nowadays it's just different uh Mm -hmm. because because the home run is like is almost like a double now it's so often and so and you get guys on up to make you know you got a couple batters and it's three three runs like in two and two or three minutes you know so it's just different do you have a problem with the balls being juiced do you think it ruins the game? Or do you think I, think it makes it ter- I think it's terrible for the game because I'm a high school baseball coach. And I tell them, I said, listen, if you want to learn like baseball, the way that I learned, the way that it was for a hundred and something years before this stuff happened, like go watch college. You know, college baseball is still pretty much the same as it was in the 2000s where you're bunning and you're hitting running and doing stuff like that, the little things. I said, you know, Major League Baseball now is just a video game. It's just up and A. Like, they're, all they're doing is trying to hit a homer. So they're striking out over and over again. They're talking about launch angles, needed lift, and all this other stuff. And I have to battle that as a coach because that stuff doesn't work for high school kids. They're not strong enough to, to lift and hit homers. You're talking about grown men that are flipping balls for, you know, 450 feet, like, no problem. And, you know, strikeouts, Adam Dunn used to get massacred for striking out 200 times a yeah. year. Now half the league does. Yeah. So – you know, it's a different game, but I don't think it's a good, it's not a good game. It's not the game that we've grown accustomed to and we love the little things, the sacrifices, the, you know, you know, now the pitcher doesn't hit, which Mm -hmm. was always a different part of the national league game. So I think it's a, I think hopefully it gets back if they do change the ball back and it's not so easy. Maybe it goes back to where we can actually get some 300 hitters again, some line drive guys and, and stuff like that. But the game evolves. It always has. It just, this is, this is so much different than it ever has been. And, and I just know on firsthand that the balls are, are really, really alive a lot more than they were uh, 
when I was playing. So it almost feels like we're playing at Colorado all the time without the, the big fences of Colorado. Yeah. Because uh, I just see guys doing stuff on a nightly basis that would have never been done by, you know, by guys when we were playing. Fair. Um, you mentioned the pitcher hitting. You hit eighth for a lot of your career. Did that, did that bother you? Did you that mind sucks. hitting in the end? It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It's not, it's not really a bothersome thing. It was, you know, you know if you were not hitting good, you, you kind of deserve to be in that spot. It's just a different. I mean, you weren't a bad hitter, though. I mean, you were hitting. No, but it was, but, the, you, know, the, you know, when I was going good, I was hitting two. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't like, you know, when I was hitting two, I was earning it. Yeah. You know, so, so when I was going in a funk, they would put somebody else in two and I'd go seven or eight or whatever it may be. But, you know, it's just different. It's, it's something you have to learn, especially being, it was really tough as a young player, those first couple of years having to hit eighth and having to learn when they're going to attack you, when are they going to throw around you? You really had to learn the situation and at that, that, and at that time when you're 22 or know, 23, 24, learning the game at the big league level, um, you don't, you don't really grasp that type of information yet. And then, mm -hmm. so I, you kind of had to learn the hard way. And, you know, I remember my first, my first at bat, there was a pitcher behind me in running scoring position. I saw like seven sliders in a row. As I, and every time I was like, this gotta be the one when they throw me a heater, right? It's my first at bat. They don't know anything about me and just slider, 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 because they weren't going to give me something with a pitcher behind. And it just takes time to learn that. So it's not, but you can also use it to your advantage in that same situation as you get used to it, because now you can look for slider. So I take that same at bat five years later, and I wouldn't even be looking for a fastball. I'd be sitting knowing that they're not going to throw me anything good. You can just sit off speed. So it's just something you got to learn. We're going to get right back to my conversation with Jack Wilson, but first, a word from our sponsors. about two of your teammates that you played with um two of your main double play partners your first one being jose castillo yep. a guy that you guys i think you led the league in double plays turn one year um so, yeah. uh what was it like playing with him in the field having that kind of connection and then obviously were you close with him after baseball and your reaction to his passing yeah no that was tough um you know it's uh it's tough to read when something like that happens. I know he was still playing baseball in the, in, in Venezuela and no, it was any, anytime that something happens to anybody, it's, it's, you know, a tragedy, not to mention one of the guys you, you play baseball with and, and you know, at the big leagues, he was such a talented young man. He was, he came up as a shortstop and that's, that's what really made him such a great second base is anytime you get a shortstop with his hands and, and his feet and his arm, he had an incredible arm. So mm -hmm. turning double plays with him and, even turning a couple of double plays when there wasn't a guy at first. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, you know, because you can be creative with guys like that that are, that are super athletic, that, that can handle the shortstop position. I think fully, if it was, I was somewhere else, he would have been a shortstop in Pittsburgh because he was really, really, you know, really good. So it was fun. It was fun working with him. He was, and especially being a young guy, I was able to kind of teach him kind of the way the Pat Mears and, and Mike Benjamin did for me and Pokey Reese. I was able to pass information on, on to him. Oh, there was a little bit of a language barrier a little bit, but uh, I was using actually Jose Bautista was like our translator oh, and he would help me. He was yeah. third at the time. So, um, you know, and, you know, he was great to work with because like I said, he could do a lot of things that just a second baseman couldn't do. And I was very fortunate to have a lot of good infielders to work with. So it was a lot of fun to work, to, to go out with them every day. And then the other guy that I wanted to ask you about, Freddie Sanchez, did, did yeah. you guys play baseball together in high school? In high school. And I'm in Arizona right now. I just dropped my son off from school, and I've been to three of his 13 new practices with his son. So we're spending a lot of time together right now. No, he's – yeah, he, we were, he was the shortstop, and I was the second baseman for our junior junior summer and I think senior summer we played together mm -hmm. um, on, a, on a team back in California. He went to Burbank High School, which wasn't far from Thousand Oaks where I went. So we played together all the way through, and then uh, he, he went to two years of junior college. I went to another junior college. We played against each other. And then I got drafted, and he, I think he went to Oklahoma, um, I think a D2 school or D3 school, I can't remember, then got picked up by Boston. And then we, we, we did a trade with Boston, I forget, it might have been Mike Gonzalez, um, maybe. And then I was hitting in the cage before a game, and they said, we're making this trade, and there's this guy, this guy, and then a player to be named, or a player to be named later, possibly some guy named Freddie Sanchez. And I literally ran out of the cage, went to the equipment manager's office, and called the GM, like, dude, 
this dude's the man. I'm telling you right now, he can, he can do whatever you need. He's a shortstop. He can play 30 for a second. This dude can hit. And he was hitting like 420 or something in, in Pawtucket and AAA. So I was like, just trust me, this guy's going to be – he's the real deal. So you're the reason well, the Pirates had a batting champ in 06? Yes, absolutely. No. You, think, you put your <laughs> no, name I underneath just, that I just in the record remember, I just thought, I was like, wouldn't this be cool? I think, mm-hmm. you know, he was putting up crazy numbers. Nomar was in – Nomar was in uh, Boston. He had just set the all-time record for most putouts, I believe, in a single game at third base. Because I think um, Derek Lowe was just throwing ghetto two-seamers over and over again, and they were just pounding into the, goal, the ball to Freddie. So much so, I think he had like eight or nine putouts, and they were chanting his name at Boston. I mean, it was the coolest <laughs> thing. And then he actually came. He actually played against us with the Red Sox in interleague play that year. So I got to see him then. I was really excited that he got up to the big leagues. And then when we pulled the trigger and we got him, he came over, he was hurt a little bit. He went to AAA and he had to kind of rehab a little bit, but he came up at the end of the year in September. And then, you know, you know, that's history. I mean, he was the backup infielder. We had Joe Randa as our everyday third baseman the year that he won the batting title and Joe Randa hits a ball off his foot. And, you know, Freddie, you know, people don't remember, I think he got 200 hits that year, if I, I remember. So. And yeah. he didn't even play the first month. Yeah. So, like, oh, that's, I remember <laughs> he played the first month. Yeah, you just, they, and you just get a hit every time. Yeah, they would. I remember everyone would just like kind of see like, well, where's has he met the minimum requirement for at bats yeah. and everything? Because I mean, he yeah. would be in like the three forties or whatever he was hitting, and you're just like, does he qualify? Does he qualify? And if he wasn't in the lineup one time in the second right. half of the year, you're just like, why is he not playing? You know? And yeah. uh, how how fun was that stretch? I mean, when you're on a oh. team. You know, you didn't have much else to play for or root for, right? Like you're in last place. And to have one guy chasing something that hasn't been done in a franchise in a while, it's got to be fun, right? right? Oh, it was awesome. I think it was just, you know, we were all in awe of what he was doing because the the best thing about Freddie and why he was so successful is that he never gave it a bad away. If he was three for three, he wanted four for four. Like some of us, like you're three for three, you're like, ah, I got out. I'm three for four. I'm good. Like that wasn't him. Yeah. Yeah, he was pissed. So... Like he was, I mean, he, he wanted to hit every single time. Like, and that was just kind of that laser focus he had. And it was pretty impressive just to watch the whole year. And then coming down to the last game of the season and he needs one hit to beat out Miguel Cabrera uh, on the last day. And I think he shot it to right field, like first at bat. And then he sealed it. And it was just the coolest moment because it's, I remember going to dinner with him a couple of the night before that. And he, he was just, he was so nervous and anxious and he didn't know, like I had to like, Hey, we were eating sushi too. I was like, bro, you'll be fine. Just do everything. Cause I mean, obviously you're having a great year, but to, to, you know, a batting title is, is something that's pretty darn special. Only two guys get it, you know, every year, you yeah. know, you're nationally. So uh, the weight that was on him at that last time and for him to just go up there and just shoot one to right first to bat, you're like, that's ready. <laughs> like and when, when the lights came, when it, when it came down to it and he got his pitch is like, it didn't really matter. Like all that other anxious anxiety or anything like that. He just did his thing. Yeah. And I mean, you, I don't know if you've been back to PNC park re- recently, but in the uh, tunnels near the clubhouse, they have a whole bunch of paintings now on the wall and it has right. like the batting title champ, you know, batting champs listed. And yeah. you look at the pirate, other pirates who have won batting titles and just right. to have your name, next to Clemente, you know, or, you know, those guys, that's pretty special. It is. No, it's it's definitely a huge achievement. So I have two moments in pirate history that took place during your career. I want you to pick the better one. All right. Lloyd McClendon stealing first base, (laughs) Randall Simon hitting the sausage. Oh, Oh, man. Oh, gosh. I was right there in the dugout for both. Please, yeah, please um, explain. Actually, yeah, give me your point of view for okay. both. Okay, point of view with Lloyd, I mean, that was his first year. He's a fiery guy. We were stinking, you know, and I think he just had enough. I, didn't, I, I honestly didn't think it had too much to do with the play. It had to do with the <laughs> fact that we were just terrible. And um, so he came and he chucked it, you know, he went out there and he took it. And, and none of us are surprised because we had already probably had a couple team meetings and, and saw a couple tables be flipped over. So that was just kind of Lloyd. That was his style. And um, so that was classic, especially too, his hat was off. So he had this shiny bald head of this guy, like beating down of sweat. And he just, you know, comes in, takes the base and, and walks off and throws it down the tunnel. And then Randall, I felt really bad for. I mean, he, he is a great dude. He's got the biggest heart. He's a big teddy bear. And I think he just, you know, it just didn't work out what he was thinking. What it was, it was just going to be a joke. It ended up being a girl inside. You're like, bro, 
Like, if, I'm sure he would have aimed for a different sausage if it was yeah. a guy and everything would have been cool, but she scraped her knee. Like, and he really didn't even hit it that hard. I was literally, like, right behind him. And it, it just, you know, those things were so tall, I tipped. And the fact that he got arrested and all that stuff, I was like, okay. what was your What was the team's reaction when you found out he – got arrested for it yeah we were all in shock to be honest with you I mean I you know obviously there were some repercussions coming back from it because it just didn't turn out and it didn't look good it wasn't the smartest thing in the world to do everybody agreed on that um obviously no one uh, especially him didn't see that type of outcome with someone getting hurt from it you know I thought it would just be funny just to knock over one of the tall sausages let alone she loses her grip and scrapes her knee and she comes out and it's a girl and you're like bro this is not going to be good. And like, we felt sorry that we felt we were totally sorry for her. Like, you know, it sucked. The whole situation sucked. And I think he knew it. And he was really apologetic about it. He felt really, really bad. Um, but like, he got kind of viewed as this bad guy. It's like, no, he was just kind of fun loving Randall yeah. Simon. Chulo Bravo was what we called him. And like, he was awesome. And I just felt really bad for him. But, you know, that's, you know, it was kind of one of those moments where like, hey, you know, in thought process, it might have, been okay pretty funny but at the end of the day it wasn't, it wasn't the smartest thing the world was that was that in the first degree or did he was that premeditated did he say he was gonna do <laughs> right? that? I, don't, I think it was premeditated it had to be because he had a bat in his hand he was in the middle of the dugout he wasn't even playing yeah. that so he's like i think i'm just gonna knock this sausage over so um yeah pretty those are pretty two big moments i thought <laughs> those were pretty funny yeah uh, yeah so it was, uh, you know i don't know if i can pick one out of those there One's kind of completely harmless. The other one's got a guy in handcuffs from the baseball field. You know, guys coming in and arresting him. That's, I mean, I, well, technically, I to... I, Lloyd did steal something. He did take something that yeah. wasn't hit. Yeah, I mean, he he left the field <laughs> to play with it. Um, <laughs> what was I gonna say? And he littered. He like threw his hat too. So you know. Oh yeah, he yeah he. There's a lot more stuff that happened in the tunnel that nobody saw. So there's a lot of stuff flying around down you, there. You want to elaborate on that or? No. No? Okay. Uh, no. But, I mean, Lloyd was, Lloyd's a very passionate guy. I love mm-hmm. Lloyd to death. It was fun playing for him. I, you know, and, uh, you know, that was his passion. You know, like he, he wanted to do well in Pittsburgh. And every kind of every manager that came in was kind of feeling that they were going to be able to turn the ship around. Uh, so, I mean, he, that was his goal. And, you know, that day it, it kind of just boiled over and kind of the tip of the volcano kind of just blew up and we got a new first base. <laughs> was Lloyd your favorite manager in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I like Johnny Russell too. I like okay. Lloyd. Lloyd and I had a history because I was with St. Louis when I played for him in the California Fall League for one year and that's kind of where we met and kind of kind of made a, that link that ended up being I think the reason why I was traded to Pittsburgh was because of Lloyd because there was an opportunity with with them grabbing Jason Christensen from the Cardinals and so and then Lloyd gave me my opportunity and putting me in the big leagues without even playing triple a and he took that chance and and then so I love Lloyd for that and he was fun to play for I literally liked I really enjoyed Johnny Russell Johnny was very quiet um but he 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 was really big on professionalism and you go out and you do your job and I'll do my job and I shouldn't have to call you in for meetings like he would just come to me in spring training and say Jack I just want you to play shortstop like you play shortstop and I was just like all right I'll do that and that was it like get your work done show up to work every day work hard do your job and there's nothing really to talk about you know we talk about life and stuff like that but I always loved that approach because that showed like he respected like what I brought to the table and he, and he understood that I was always going to bring everything I had to the table. And it was like, there's, if I make an error, I didn't have to have, he wouldn't have to talk to me about it because I'm more pissed off than anybody. So it was, that relationship was really cool. What's it like to be a top play on sports center? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Is that, was that, I mean, cause the, especially before I feel like Twitter's kind of ruined the sports center top 10 plays. Right. When right. someone makes an awesome play, it goes viral in like two, yeah. two seconds now, yeah. but like that was, a huge deal when you were playing where the next morning you see a play at a ball game. You're, I can't wait to watch that on sports center tomorrow. Right. And, yeah, no, and it was, yeah. it's cool too, because like when you live it and you do it, you just, you don't see the same angles that a fan would see or you see on TV. So, so it was really cool to kind of, to kind of have something happen. And then you knew by the end of the game, you're like, that's going to be on later. I'm going to mm-hmm. have to check that out. I was like, how, yeah, you know how many cool. times you've been on top 10 plays? No. Do you have any idea? I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't know. We, we had a lot of, 
we had a lot of good players. Our defense was always really good in, in yeah. Pittsburgh. I think we set the all-time record for infield defense uh, feeling percentage-wise, I believe, in 2008. Uh, we were locked and loaded. Uh, we had uh, Andy LaRoche at third and Adam at first and yeah. Freddie in the middle. And we kind of we took care of business that year. We had Perry Hill that he's a legendary infield instructor, and we had him for one year, and he kind of changed our footwork and everything. We all bought in, and it was awesome. So we, we, we always had really good athletes making plays. Nate McLeod was a great center fielder. Yeah. You know, Jason Bay was a really good outfielder when, when he was there. You know, so we, so we, we had some guys that could do that stuff. Take me through getting traded out of Pittsburgh. <laughs> what, what was your reaction? Did you see it coming? Uh -oh. uh, was, how tough was it? It was tough. It was really tough. I didn't, I, you know, we were, we were in negotiations. Uh, it was well documented that we were in negotiations for a two-year deal. And, you know, our part of it, we were, we were pretty happy with the years and the, and the, and the monetary part of it was, wasn't really an issue at the time. I, I, I was just, I really kind of, kind of took a leap and said, I really would, you know, if you guys are interested, I'd, lo I'd love to sign with Freddie, you know, just because he's my best friend. He's like a brother. We, and you know, if we're going to go through it, I, and I literally told him like, we're two or three years away with this young core that you got and you're wanting me for two years. It's like, it's going to be tough to go through that or continue to go through that because I'm getting older and I'd like a chance to go to the postseason. And I think you're a couple of years away from that, but at least if I had got Freddie, you're still going to have your number three hitter. You're still going to have your, your really good second baseman. I guess Neil could come in and play third and you had a cut and cut and it just got there in center field. So you could see you can see the farm system and, the, and start to grow. And, um, you know, we actually, we came to agreement on, on basically if they were going to sign Freddie or not. So we just kind of waiting on that. And then it ended, it ended up happening with Freddie. And then we both got traded on the same day. Uh, we were both in San Francisco and I, I got called in the morning uh, from Neil Huntington going to the field to San Francisco to play. And then Freddie got his call like about an hour after that, after I'd already left. So it was kind of, it was, it was really difficult. I didn't see it really happen. I thought we were, we were going to end up to sign both of us and we were both going to be there. I think we both planned on that. Uh, but it, you know, it didn't work out on, on, on the contract end. And, but I still, it still like punched us in the face. Like we, we, we still didn't really, cause I think there were still, there might've been one more day before the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah. I felt like there was a little bit more time left. Um, but you know, I think San Francisco was really excited to get, to get Freddie. And then, yeah. you know, I was off to, I was off to the, you know, to Seattle then, you know, right after they had a flight for me, like a couple hours later, they're like, Hey, we got a game today. I'm like, Bro, I can't play. I mean, I'm an emotional wreck right now. I'm like, yeah. I might be able to play tomorrow, but like get it on a flight and then try to make it. And you're facing Royal holiday from the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll be there in the eighth. Yeah. <laughs> meet everybody yeah so it was a very it was a difficult day for my family as well you know so it was it was life-changing for sure is it tough that you know you had a pretty long and I mean you accomplished a lot in the in, in your big league career but I mean you see Freddie go to the Giants where he wins a World Series two two World Series two I mean, yeah two, two. and then oh, and then yeah. you know you did you ever get to play in the playoffs no, no. I mean that's that's <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, it just didn't happen for me. You know, I was, I was with, you know, we, were, we were in Seattle and we didn't, we didn't do well there. Um, it's a tough American, American League West. The A's were always good. The Angels were good. You know, you had, I think the, yeah, the Astros were there. They had just come over from the National League. So it was, it was a tough AL West. And then, you know, went to Atlanta. And when I got traded to Atlanta, I was just supposed to be kind of the emergency backup guy in case anybody went down and we had like a nine game lead in the wild card with like 20 games left and we blew it. It was like, ah, uh, it's maybe it's just not for me. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just not for me. So well, it's just one of those things. What was your reaction when they fought, when the pirates finally got to the playoffs and broke that 20 year streak to see those uh, guys? I mean, yeah, yeah, I was so happy. I watched that whole game. I was, I wanted, I tried to fly out there and have tickets. I really wanted to be there and, and to be a part of it just because even though like we went through those, those tough years along with, I mean, we were there right with the fans. The fans were having a tough go. We were having a tough go. No one wants to go and lose, you know, that many games consistently, 90, 100 games sometimes. Um, you, know, you know, people say like, oh, you're getting paid and all this other stuff. It's like, I don't, man, driving home, losing sucks. 
like it really sucks like no matter we all we're all in this to compete and we've been competitive since our you know our whole lives in this game and and we lived it just as much as the fans lived it showing up and, and being disappointed we were leaving disappointed as players too and um you know to see that finally come to an end you know the the what was it nine what did it end up being 19 was it 19 20 or what oh 20 years it was 20 years, 20 years. yes mm -hmm. to see that end and see a playoff game at Pittsburgh where, where it's painted postseason on the grass. I remember stretching there uh, on the grass and imagining one day that there'd be postseason writing on it, like, and me being out there and being in uniform in the Pirates uniform and, and being in the postseason. I used to imagine that, be like, oh man, one day it's going to happen and it's going to be awesome. This place is going to blow up. It did. You know, because, I mean, people don't really understand like, how great of a, pit, a sports town Pittsburgh is. I mean, you got the Penguins are always good. The Steelers are always good. And then for those two or three years when they went to playoffs, you had three playoff teams in the same city that were all studs. They were all good. And you're like, this is the best sports city in the, in, the, in the nation. And no one's talking about the fact that they, the Steelers are always in it. The Penguins are always in it, you know. And they have, you know, we have Super Bowl tiles. We got Stanley Cups. You know, I mean, Sydney walked in, with, in a, after beating Detroit. They walked into our, into our clubhouse. We're like 30 minutes before a game. And holding the Stanley Cup, what's up guys? And, like, and we had to postpone the game for 40 minutes because they had just got off the plane and came directly to PNC Park with the Stanley Cup, you know? So, I mean, Pittsburgh's always been a great sports town. And I think when, when the Pirates were winning and they had those three years in the playoffs, you're like, there's no, there's no better place to be. I mean, you're wearing black and gold and you're proud because no matter what season you're in, you're, you're in the playoffs. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, I can't disagree. And it's, it's kind of tough to see where the franchise is at now, but uh, as a middle infielder, um, do you enjoy watching these young middle infielders that they have with Tucker and Kevin Newman uh, and even, even Eric Gonzalez, who's hitting the ball well right now. Yeah. Have you talked to any of them or do you watch them play at all? I talked to Newman. I, I've, I've texted him uh, over the last couple of years. He, he was uh, the shortstop at university of Arizona with mm -hmm. Scott Kingery and uh with the Phillies and Scott uh Scott's with our agency and I train I train with him in the off season and we do you know infield stuff so kind of got hooked up with uh, Newman through him and just like to give him world, words of encouragement I did the same thing with Jody Mercer you know just like shortstop to shortstop like you know understanding like what they're going through and in and, and kind of the game and the ups and downs and so, you know, I, I reach out to, I, and I watch that really the Pirates are the only ones I really pay attention to. I mean, I play fantasy baseball just like everybody else. And so I, that keeps me in the game. But, you know, like I said, it's tough for me to watch this type of baseball now, you know, growing up with the way that it used to be. But um, I, I really focus on, on the Pirates and, and, you know, I still talk a lot with Kevin Young, who's, who's in their development department and stuff like that about, about what their infields are looking like. And, and hopefully, you know, with, with my high school season, I always want to go out to spring training and be the guest instructor and, and be out there and put the uniform on again and take ground balls with them. But my high school season kind of runs parallel to that. So I've never been able to do it. Uh, maybe one day uh, I'll have the chance to do it because, I mean, I still consider, you know, Pittsburgh's, Pittsburgh's home to me. Pittsburgh is, you know, who gave me my, my opportunity. I, there's nothing uh, I can never repay what, what the Pirates organization did for me and my family. So I don't really – you know, look for anything else or do anything else. I love doing fantasy camp and all that good stuff. So I, I love my black and gold. When's, uh, do you still come out to Pittsburgh often? I mean, I know you have like kids and you said you're coaching and everything, oh, yeah. but yeah, you, no, you I mean, get out there? I do sometimes. We'll do some of uh, the uh, – uh, Joe Bellidou is a director of alumni uh, with the Pirates. So he, he, he gets me a lot of, of work to get out there and, and do things. We'll do like a sweet hop where you go from sweet to sweet and surprise people and say hi and stuff like that. And, you know, so I try to get out there as much as I can with the seasons with, you know, my girls are playing year round soccer and my, my son's playing baseball and now he's going to be at Grand Canyon university. That's why I'm in Arizona right now. This is, this is our guys, but, uh, okay. um, you know, so, yeah, I try to get out. I, I miss it dearly. I would love to see more games, you know, once, <laughs> Hopefully stuff gets back to normal and, you know, probably next season, you know, try to get out there. We, I was scheduled, I think, to come out for opening day this year uh, because it was a 20 year anniversary of PNC Park. Yeah. So uh, I was supposed to come out and, and do that. And obviously that didn't end up happening, but um, I'm sure there'll be more celebrations of stuff uh, about PNC Park and stuff coming up and hopefully that can be a part of. What's your favorite memory in PNC Park? Uh, probably the McCoviac doubleheader uh, when his baby was born. Okay. I think that was probably the one for me. And there, we, there was obviously some really cool ones. 
with Freddie winning the, the batting championship. Todd Ritchie almost had a no-hitter, like, into the ninth inning, I think, against the Brewers, if I remember. There's, there's some really cool moments, and, um, and you know, that I think about it. But nothing sticks out, like, have a baby in the morning, getting a game t- a game-winning home run in the first game and the game-tying home run in the second yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that's that's normal. So that to me, that to me is, is always going to stick out, um, you know, as, as one of the all time, we've had a lot of really cool games against us too. Some things that have like Vinny Castilla hit three bombs against us. And then Jason Bay robbed the fourth, like he was going to hit a fourth one, saw some balls going, go in the water um, against <laughs> us, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but a lot of cool things happen at, you know, at, at that place, but that one's got to be the one that sticks out the most for me is, seeing that happen and seeing that unfold uh, for him and, and on, on, on such a crazy day. Cause I played a doubleheader when my daughter was born in 2005 and I could do nothing right. Like my, <laughs> I just, just had a baby in the morning. They're like, Hey, doubleheader starts at four. You're like, okay. And like, <laughs> I, I was useless. I was absolutely useless. And for him to come out and just ball out was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Or the Craig Wilson game, like, he had his seventh pinch hit homer to right field. Like he kept hitting pinch hit homers his entire rookie year. And then like they put him in and I, they put him in and he hit another homer and he hit another homer and the numbers were getting there. I think so much so that we were the last game of the season, we were in Wrigley field and he needed a home run, a pinch hit home run, but we were starting him that day. So we didn't start him. Todd Ritchie was our four hitter so that Todd Ritchie would be announced so that when we pinch hit Craig Wilson for Todd Ritchie in the first inning, so he can get a pinch hit. And if he hit a homer, he'd have the record. I think he, he flew out, but, uh, but so much, those are just the cool things that I remember for mm-hmm. really cool moments for guys. I don't remember that Craig Wilson one. That's, that's interesting. That's yeah. Crazy. He had seven pinch hit homers, bro. And huh. in his rookie season. And then that was tying a record that was held by like veterans, veteran guys. No one was as a rookie was just jumping up yeah. there and hitting homers. This guy dropped seven tanks off the bench as a rookie. So that's, that's really impressive. I, the thing that impressed me with him was like, he just would not budge when a ball was coming inside. I mean, he would not yeah. hesitate to take a hundred mile per hour oh, yeah. out of the ribs. Uh, he liked getting on the dish and he had some crazy <laughs> pop. He had a lot of power. So yeah. had some yeah, sweet flow too. Jones. Oh yeah. Big yeah. time. All right. Yeah. Uh, so Jack, what are you up to now that you're not playing? What are you doing? Uh, coach in high school, uh, I, you know, I coach at my old alma mater in Thousand Oaks High School. Um, just got done coaching my son for four years, and then, you know, I'm still there doing my, you know, doing stuff. I've been fortunate to be involved with USA Baseball a little bit to do the national team stuff. Uh, I love coaching. Uh, hopefully one day, um, you know, go to the college ranks. I went back after I retired and, and finished my schooling uh, online, um, which is everybody in the planet's doing now, but like, I went back and I, I finished my degree. I didn't want to be the coach that, that told people that, you know, we use baseball to get an education. That's kind of mm-hmm. what our, what our, our thought process is for the, for these young players. And then, so I figured, well, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and talk to them how important education is. And, and I'm only, you know, a couple of years away from, from a, uh, from a degree. So I went and finished that. So that took a, that took three and a half years to finish that because I was a junior college guy when I got drafted but mm-hmm. um staying busy with with the family just you know enjoying I'm really going to enjoy traveling around watching watching my son I've been coached for with him ever since I retired so this is the time first time I get to be super fan annoying dad in the stands with the foam finger or something I don't know always right. holding up the, the iPhone oh, you know yeah everything yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to embarrassing him thoroughly you know, so I couldn't do that when I was a coach. Yeah. Uh, but now, now, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I love this game. I love being on the field. I got to, you know, I always have a glove on, always got a fungal in my hand or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been actually here in Arizona working with Freddie Sanchez's 13U team like three or four times in the last couple of weeks, just because I needed at home in California, we're, we're not really allowed to play baseball right now. So they're mm-hmm. not letting any of the fields open it up or anything. So I'm here in Arizona. It's a little bit more relaxed and, and and kids are able to get out and get some work in so I've been on the field with him which has been a lot of fun That's we turned awesome. around we turned double plays the other day in front of the kids so you and Freddie it's a little bit, it's a little bit slower okay but still plays still That's gets good. yeah you can get someone still like gets, Ronnie yeah. Pino running down the line yeah we need a little bit slower guy maybe a pitcher if they bring <laughs> yeah. a pitcher back to it. Yeah. but yeah still plays it's still fun so, uh Jack I saw you're new on Instagram your handle I is know. 
Jack, J-A-C-K, all lowercase, dot Wilson, underscore two. So everyone listening to this, be sure to go follow him. I've got one final question for you. And then we'll be done. Yeah. What is the best commercial in Pirates history, and why is it the Oliver Perez, I burnt them again? (laughs) There are some good ones, man. You got a good one, too, with the frozen – the buffet – Yes, the base hits to steal and mm-hmm. eat up. I really like that one. I did one with uh, – one special to me was uh, there's one on Lloyd McClendon, and it's, he's got like an upset stomach because he yeah. likes to eat umpires for yeah, breakfast. Yeah, his appetite. It was like his stomach and, was rumbling. Yeah. yeah, so I was in the dugout next to him, and my brother was actually in the Pirates organization at the time. He was the guy next to me, so I got to do it with my brother. So that's pretty cool. That's that's one of my favorite ones, but – I like the one in the grocery store too, where the where the lady like fumbles the oranges, and I come sweep it in and spin a double play and mm-hmm. like give her a little daps or whatnot. I like that was that was a lot of fun to to uh, you know to uh, record or tape or whatnot. It was a lot of fun. So those were they they were, they did a good job with their marketing and stuff like they that. They really did. I mean, for for everything that was going on, just uh, yeah, <laughs> right. they really did. All right, yeah. well, Jack, thank you for joining the show. I appreciate sure. it. First guest, I, that was yes. awesome. Good conversation. And uh, looking forward to seeing the next, you know, I don't want to, you know, say your son's name if you're not comfortable with that or whatever. Oh, yeah, Jacob. No, let's work. See, right. I, I'm employing my Pittsburgh fans to become GCU Antelope fans. For okay. Us. All a, right, yeah. So he's a, he's a Pittsburgh lifer, too. He grew up. He, he still has all his Pittsburgh jerseys, so. All right. We can, all, we can all be fans of him now, too. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look. We can, get, we can get Pittsburgh to draft him in a couple of years. That would be pretty cool. See, we're just going to go perfect yeah. scenario. He gets to wear the Boco jersey and gets to play at PNC Park one day. All right. If all planets align. That, that, would, that would be perfect. And then he gets them to the playoffs and you get to leave. There it is. There you there go. And is. he's warming up with the paint on the field. There you go. Beautiful. Well, Jack, thank That's you it. for everything. I appreciate it. And, uh, Excited to see who we have on next. I don't know if it's going to top this interview, though. Great job. Uh, That was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me.